Hello, and welcome. I mean, I'm not going to lie, it's really weird to start a podcast um, because you kind of get into the spot where you really want everything to be scripted out and really nice and official and polished. And one of the things that they tell you when you're starting a podcast is that you just really need to get in there and start making it. You need to just start recording and you can fix all the stuff as you move along. And so um, this is the introduction for the first episode is me explaining um, my process for the introduction to the first episode. So welcome to Stones Cry Out. Um, this is the new podcast that I decided to start um, while in a season of great faith in the Lord Jesus. And I went through a lot of names um, while making this. Um, um, I think uh, I started with uh, God Not Done, which is still something that I really hold tight to. Um, Becoming a Bible Nerd was another one that I thought about. Um, and the Uncut Bible um, was a third one. And then I think there's a couple others in the span of that. And there's none of them were really sticking out to me until I saw the phrase stones cry out. And then I think it just really hit me because I wanted a title for the podcast that really emphasized what this was going to be. Because I came in having a pretty good idea of what this podcast was going to be. And that idea was that it was going to be a lot of things, which it'll, it'll make sense in a few moments. But if you don't know me, my name is Micah. Um, I've been a Christian since I was about five, but I've been really seriously uh, devoting my whole life to the Lord since I was about 16. Um, and there have been a lot of rough patches in those years. But um, here I am walking out, you know, with scars, but um, with a faith and a fear of the Lord that is uh, more on fire than it's ever been. And there's nothing I want more than for other people to experience what I've experienced in Jesus. So I want to take this episode and go through with you the passage that inspired um, the philosophy behind Stones Cry Out and just the philosophy of the things that I want to talk about in this podcast, right? This podcast, um, it seeks to find Jesus in the scriptures and the world that we live in. I'm really, really happy they joined me today in case no one's told you Jesus loves you and wants nothing more than for you to be redeemed through him. Um, so we're just going to get right into it. We're going to get into the scriptures. We're in the book of Luke, um, chapter 19. And this is, if you don't know it, this is the triumphal entry. Um, this triumphal entry is also recorded in the Gospel of Matthew and possibly another one. Um, but it's in Luke where we find this phrase, stones cry out, that I just love so much that I really just want to dig deep into. And this other thing, that I just want to add as a disclaimer, this is um, a podcast for people looking to learn about the scriptures from somebody um, learning about the scriptures. I don't have um, a doctorate. I'm not a scholar. Um, I have received a calling for pastoral ministry, so I'm really excited to begin um, some work towards ordination. Um, but I mean, I am just a man at the end of the day who just seeks to glorify God, and I do not claim myself to be an errant. I really try as a teacher, right? Because in making a podcast, you become a teacher in sorts. So I'm going to do my best to make sure that what I'm doing is um, devoted to the truth of the scriptures in their original intent and how that applies for us today. Um, but um, don't just take what I say and just 
right? The word of God is the basis for truth, not stones cry out, right? So there's a little disclaimer in case, uh, I don't know, in case something goes awry with what I say, but I don't think it will. Um, I think I'm going to try pretty hard to make sure. Um, and also, you know, I'm always open to correction and, you know, interpretation and all that fun stuff. But let's get right into it. We're in Luke chapter 19. I'm starting at verse 28. This is the triumphal entry. Luke 19 is a very loaded book of the Bible, um, or loaded um, chapter at least. There's a lot of great stuff in there. Um, we get Zacchaeus um, in there. We have uh, the driving out of the temple. In Luke 19, we have Jesus' lament um, over the people of Jerusalem right after the triumphal entry. Um, and just a lot more. Um, right, So here we are. Um, Jesus is entering. Um, uh, he's going up to Jerusalem, and this is a week before he's going to be crucified. So we're really, you know, approaching the end of his ministry and uh, um, getting near to the end of the book. Um, don't worry, it has a happy ending. But starting at verse 20, and when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, or a donkey, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away, went away, and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, his owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples and he answered i tell you if these were silent the very stones would cry out so before we even talk about um that last half we kind of have to talk about the entry of jesus and the beauty of his entry right and the big thing that everyone looks at is that jesus is entering jerusalem on a donkey and there's meaning for this and the first meaning of course is to fulfill um scripture in the old testament um example of this is first kings 133 um or i'll start at verse 32 king david said call to me zadok the priest nathan the prophet and benaiah the son of jehoiada i hope i pronounced those right so they came before the king and the king said to them take with you the servants of your lord and have solomon my son ride on my own mule and bring him down to gihon and let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet there anoint him king over Israel. Then blow the trumpet and say, Long live King Solomon. So there's this parallel in First Kings where Solomon is entering on a colt to be proclaimed the king of Israel. And then if you also look at um, the book of Zechariah is another place where we see this. Uh, the um, Chapter 9 verses 9. And ten, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humbled and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim 
and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. Right? So this image we see in the Old Testament, and now we are seeing it being fulfilled through the person of Jesus Christ. And why is Jesus making this entrance in accordance to these passages in the Old Scriptures, um, or the Old the Old Testament, right? Well, this donkey is a symbol of peace, right? And it's all about how does Jesus want to, um, in what nature does Jesus want to enter Jerusalem, right? Because knowing that Jesus is God, right? He could have entered a multitude of different ways, right? Um, but Jesus takes the path of humility and meekness. Why? Because he's entering in accordance with his plan to be sacrificed for all mankind a week later, right? Jesus is establishing a very important idea that the Pharisees and even the people cheering Jesus on do not see, right? And this is kind of why you see that um, complete 180 from the people, right? These people start off saying, "Pray, uh, glory, glory to God in the highest, right? Glory to Jesus. And then a week later, they're like, kill him, you know? So why does this happen, right? Because Jesus is shattering the expectations of the people, right? Jesus is establishing through this donkey and through other stuff that his kingdom is not of this world, right? His plan for humanity does not involve him overthrowing the Roman emperors. It involves him becoming the sacrifice and the atonement for our sin, right? These followers of Jesus, they are expecting a worldly triumphant king that would help them break free from this Roman tyranny. That explains their triumphant shouts, right? And if I were them, I would expect, right, this king, this ruler who can do miracles to be coming, making an entrance more befitting of himself than a, a mule, right? Where I would expect chariots and um, horses on fire and this big army, but no, it's just Jesus and his followers. And he is on a donkey, right? But we know that Jesus is the sovereign ruler of all mankind. So this is still him showing his plan for us. It's showing that he's shattering our expectations of what it means to rule and what it means to love, right? And then we get to that phrase, right? The Pharisees are not happy that these people are worshiping or giving praise and worship to Jesus, as he enters and he tells them to rebuke their disciples. And Jesus says, if these people, if not these people, then the very stones on the ground are going to cry out. What, why do I love this statement so much? Um, I love this statement so much because it shows a few things. First of all, it shows that Jesus is worthy of worship, right? It shows that Jesus is worthy of worship, right? If not you, if not these people, then the people in the next town will worship. If not the people in the next town, then the people in the other continents will worship, right? If not the people in any other continent, in any other place in the world, then who's going to worship me? The rocks are going to cry out to me. The stones are going to cry out to me. The mountains will leap in joy for me, right? It does not matter what you tell me to rebuke. God's will will be done and the good Lord will be praised. 
the very stones will cry out. But the Pharisees, they do not understand the man that stands in front of them. They still see Jesus as a rabbi. They see him as a teacher, which, I mean, he is both a rabbi and a teacher, but they think he's only a rabbi and only a teacher. They don't believe him to be deserving of worship like they worship um, Yahweh, you know, the Father. Right, seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear. So when they see this, right, they think this is not a man worthy of worship. They miss the whole point, right? Because Jesus is God, right? All of creation speaks to not only the existence of God, right, but also the holiness and the goodness of God. That's something else that I see in the phrase stones cry out, right? The stones were created, right? Their purpose is fulfilled in showing the beauty and the glory of our God. And this is not just me spouting out non- nonsense, right? You see this, um, the book of Colossians 1, 16, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. That's that big thing. They were created for him. The very grains of sand that span the oceans were all created for the glory of God. The very stones that would cry out to Jesus were created for that very purpose. If you go into the book of Psalms, Psalm 114, um, this is a commentary um, for the Israelites on what God has done to free them and how um, they should tremble before the God of both land and man, right? Starting at verse 3, we see the sea looked and fled. Jordan took turned back, right? This reference to the um, the parting in the for the Egyptians, the parting of the sea. The mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you flee? O Jordan, that you turn back. O mountains, that you skip like rams. O hills like lambs. Tremble, O earth. At the presence of the Lord. Right? So you see this question. What causes the mountain to skip? What causes the hills to jump? What causes the sea to look and flee? Right? This is a very poetic imagery here. Right? Of personification. Right? When we personify something, we give human characteristics to things that don't normally have them. Right? So a sea doesn't have eyeballs, so it can't look. And it doesn't have feet, so it can't flee. But here we have the Bible saying that the sea looked and fled. Did the sea actually look? Did the sea actually flee? Um, not in the sense of a human, no, right? But what's it saying? What caused, what orchestrated, what gives glory to God? The sea, right? God created the sea for his glory. And if nothing else will glorify God, then the sea will glorify God because it is through God that the sea moves is through God that the mountains are raised high. Another example is in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 12, for you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Once again, we see this idea of personification and poetic imagery right in God's creation. Right, so this is not a new concept of um, inanimate objects um, breaking out in praise. Right, it is a consistent theme 
throughout the Old and New Testaments that God's creation was created to glorify him. And if God created it, it serves, right? It serves to glorify him and praise his wonderful name, right? And here's the big thing, right? God's creation does not just limit itself to inanimate nature, like the mountains and the trees, right? It also goes with wildlife and fish, even the clouds. And it especially is true of humans, right? God created humanity and said that it was very good that we were created in God's image. So when we see the Pharisees rebuking these people for worshiping Jesus under this lens, you can understand why Jesus makes this statement, right? The very stones which God created and said were good would cry out to me. They exist to glorify me. And here you are telling these people, these men and women loved by God, that they should not be worshiping Jesus, right? That is absurd of you. That is absurd of you. You are telling them that they should not be fulfilling one of their very purposes through the Lord, right? One way that we fulfill our purpose through the Lord is to worship him. And that word worship is very loaded. It doesn't just mean singing, right? That would probably get an episode of its own, what it means to worship, um, right? We worship the Lord through our singing. We worship the Lord through our dancing. We worship the Lord through our spiritual disciplines, right? We worship the Lord through our obedience, right? We worship the Lord through what we say and what we don't say and what we think and what we don't think, right? The way we live our lives is indicative of who we serve, of whom we serve, right? And so when I say we're fulfilling our purpose of the Lord, I'm saying that God created us and gave us opportunities to glorify him because he knew that that would be what was best for us, right? This is what you're missing. You're missing out on God. You're missing out on the love and peace of Jesus because you're spending your life doing things that are not glorifying my name. Turn around, repent, believe, come back. Taste and see that the Lord is good. These very stones that are just rocks on the ground exist to cry out. What do you think you exist to do? Right, Us humans who have been equipped with gifts and talents and emotions and intelligence, right? Our capability of worshiping and glorifying God is so much more than that of a stone. And yet even the stone has fulfilled its purpose in creation. God is evident in all of his creation. And yet, and this is kind of the other idea of stones cry out um, that maybe hasn't been so evident so far, is that stones cry out is not only just going to be um, talking about scripture and kind of being like, I don't know if I consider these sermons or not, but um, I guess they're kind of sermons, right? They're just a man who wants to um, dig into the scriptures and, and talk about Jesus, right? So that'd be one aspect. But there's also this aspect of, you know, entry-level apologetics that's going to go on and stones cry out as well. You know, like having the opportunity to build um, a baseline, a solid defense for a f or building a firm foundation in our belief in Jesus Christ, right? Because it's it's it it's one thing to say I'm a Christian. It's another thing to say like the Christian God is real and exists, 
And that has ramifications for you and for me. Those feel like different statements to us. Because one of them, just saying I'm a Christian just resembles like this. I believe in this truth and you believe in your truth. Right. And we can just go about our separate ways. Right. And then, of course, there is always there's always going to be respect um, that we need to show. But when you say it that other way, right, Christianity is true. What is that implying? That's implying that other religions are not true. Right? That's implying that atheism is not true. And with this, with the other one, you're only implicitly implying that. Right? When you say I'm a Christian, you are implicitly implying that you don't believe in other stuff. You believe it is not true. When you say I believe Christianity is true, right? That sends a more clear and direct message, right? Even though it's essentially the same thing, right? You believe that Christianity is true. You believe that Jesus um, lived a good and holy life, died and rose again for our sins, right? But if Jesus is the only way, then all other paths to heaven, all other explanations for the universe, for our world, for humanity, they all should fall flat. Right. And going out into the world, you're going to find a lot of other people with a lot of differing worldviews, um, differing explanations for humanity and the world that come in stark contrast to Christianity. And when you do that, when you throw yourself out there, it can be a little overwhelming. It can be hard to really piece together the truth. And then you also get people that just claim that there is no universal truth. Right. There is no objective truth. Right, You have your truth. You speak your truth. I'll speak my truth. And everyone will be true. right? But here on Stones Cry Out, we let God be true and every man a liar. right? Stones Cry Out serves to fulfill that very idea that all of creation, right? Every grain of sand, every human being, right, has the image of God, right? Going outside, looking at the trees and the grass and the sky, looking at the absolute marvels of creation and the marvels of the human mind, right? And the works of the scriptures and the works of Jesus Christ, it all points to objective truth that God is real and that that requires a response from you and from me, right? Um, when I say that there was a few um, roadblocks that I had in my faith um, around my late teens into my early 20s, um, one of those things was really um, having to answer tough questions about my faith. Um, because as a person, the way my brain works is very logically. It doesn't, I don't like to take things in blindly, which to some of you, might seem weird because it feels like religion is just a matter of believing blindly in things. I don't believe that at all. I don't believe um, the Christian idea of faith means that you're believing blindly in something at all. Um, and I know that because I've gone out and I've put to test this idea that the very stones are crying out to God, right? That if I if if Christianity is true, right, then going out into creation, right, the stones will cry out, the mountains will dance. And the trees will clap their hands and everything will point to design and beauty and one 
true God, the God of the Bible. And in that journey, right, I answered some tough questions. I looked at some opposing worldviews, and through that, um, through a very careful study and a care- very careful mind, right, my faith is now stronger than it used to be, right? I wasn't looking for a way out. I was looking for a way to strengthen my faith, give it that firm foundation, right? And that is something that I hope to have for you as well. Um, and of course, you know, apologetics should not be a substitute for actual spiritual disciplines, right? It can very easily um, take the place of, you know, just generally studying the scriptures, being in prayer and worship and striving for holiness. Um, but it does have its place. So every once in a while, I'm going to devote an episode just as talking about tough questions about the Bible and tough questions about the world and very important pieces of evidence and very important arguments for the existence of God. One, because they're interesting and compelling, and I'm a bit of a nerd for them. Um, but two, it helps you realize that, wow, this world and everything about it, my beliefs in Christianity, I mean, they are very well-based in in reality, right? They provide good answers to tough questions that other worldviews do not. And when you see that, it really, really opens your eyes to, you know, um, being more receptive towards the scriptures and being more receptive towards Jesus and his plan for you, right? Because you know that your 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 faith, right, is not grounded on something that is just completely um, separate from reality. Like, no, the God of the Bible is alive today and and residing over us and helping us, right, and trying to seek and save the lost, right? And that is how I'm going to cap this episode. Um, let me pray for you. Lord God, thank you um, for this day that you blessed me with. Thank you for every... Um, First, I decided to tune in and watch Stones Cry Out. Um, Lord, I pray that through every word I speak, that it may not be my words, but rather you speaking through me, and that your kingdom come and that your will be done. I pray that we don't need the stones to have to cry out to you because uh, we, bearing the image of God, do a lot of worshiping and a lot of praying and we just devote ourselves to you lord and i pray this in your name amen thank you very much i will see you next episode